You're listening to the Inside Intercom podcast. Hi, I'm Sarah Yen from Intercom, and today I'm going to be speaking with Anne Hanley from Marketing Profs, the noted content marketer. Welcome, Anne. Thank you so much, Sarah. I am very excited to be here. And for the sake of our audience, could you please introduce yourself? Sure. So I'm the chief content officer at Marketing Profs, which means that I head up all content that's on our website. We are a training and education company with the largest uh, largest number of marketers in our category. We have about 600,000 folks on our email list. Um, and really what we do is we try to help businesses use social and content and digital tools to market um, more effectively. I'm also an author. Uh, I've written two books. One is called Content Rules, uh, your, your, um, your Guide to Creating Content on Behalf of Your Business, essentially came out in 2010, published by Wiley. And I've also written Everybody Writes, Your Go-To Guide to Creating Ridiculously Good Content, which is focused on writing and content creation. It was a Wall Street Journal bestseller, and it came out just a year ago. And I highly recommend it. It's up there on my shelf right beside the elements of style. Thank you so much. So, Anne, you've been writing about content marketing for about 20 years now. I'm curious what the light bulb moment was for you when you realized the power of the discipline. Wow, 20 years. That makes me sound like a relic. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess it actually has been that long. Um, you know, I started my career as a journalist, as a writer, as an editor, especially in the B2B space. Um, and I founded a website called ClickZ.com, which in 1997 was one of the first sources of online information um, as relates to marketing. You know, that was back when it was actually pre-email marketing. It was pretty much when, you know, all we were writing about was was banner ads and, um, and creating websites to sell your products and services online. Um, so it was really, really early on. And, you know, my whole career has always been about creating content to engage audiences. And I realized uh, about maybe six or seven or eight years ago that essentially that's what we all as businesses who are doing business online, you know, we're all publishers and we are all trying to get in touch with not just customers, but truly to build audience. And it was at that point that I realized, you know, I never considered myself a marketer. I always thought of myself as an editor and a writer first, but I realized that what I had been doing in that field in the B2B space around marketing information was actually directly relevant to what every marketer at every organization needs to be thinking about today. Um, And so that was really an aha moment for me where I thought, God, you know, I've been creating content to build relationships with individuals to build audiences for my entire career. And that's essentially what we all as business owners, as, as startups, as businesses need to be doing as well. That's funny because that's kind of how I saw myself coming from a journalist to the marketing field. I didn't really think of myself as a marketer, but more as someone who is just trying to engage an audience. Yeah, exactly. And I think actually the best marketers these days know that. You know, they really do understand that you need to be thinking about that relationship with a prospect first before you think about them as a customer, you know, so really think about things from an audience centric point of view, which is what people like us who have a journalism background have always done and really transfer that into the business world. So related to that, you talk a lot about the need for empathy in content marketing. Why is empathy so important if you're trying to create effective content? Um, Because I think that empathy which really means just thinking about things from another's point of view, at least from a business perspective. I think really thinking of things with empathy for the experience that you're creating for the customer um, is, is really important. You know, I think we need to be thinking about things from a customer point of view, not a 
company-centric point of view. Um, and many marketers, you know, they, they have grown up through the positioning ranks. You know, they've, they've taken lots of courses about um, or done lots of, of practice around the idea of messaging and, and getting out your corporate-centric messages. Um, but I think, you know, modern mar- in modern marketing, we can't do that anymore. We really do have to be thinking of things from a customer point of view and not a corporate point of view. Um, and so that's where I think empathy comes into play. Um, and what I mean by that is just really thinking of things, you know, from a customer's point of view, you know, how is it that I can create something that is going to um, really be useful to the person that I'm trying to reach, you know, how to create things that they want, um, not just that I think they want, you know, my friend Tom Fishburne has an, has a great quote, I talk about it all the time on stage, and the, his quote is, the best marketing doesn't feel like marketing. I think I remember reading somewhere that you often measure the quality of content by the number of thank yous you get from customers, which I thought was a pretty interesting way to think about ROI. That's absolutely true. I think the best marketing feels like something that people want or need or will enjoy. It doesn't feel like marketing. This is pretty challenging for marketers in the B2B space, especially where it can be pretty difficult to relate to customers whose jobs are so different to our own. I wonder if you have any advice for the B2B marketing space specifically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's sort of a soft measure, but I think it's a, it's a great way to think about what you're creating. You know, we do this at marketing profs, my company all the time, you know, when we create something, we think, will our customers thank you for this? Um, will thank us for this. Right. And so I think it's important for all of us here today to also be thinking about whatever marketing we're creating, you know, is it really useful to our customers? Will they thank us for it? And I think if you think of things through, through that, um, through that lens, it just clarifies what you're doing in, in such a simple, sort of elegant way. Yeah, we've listened to it before when creating the Inside Intercom podcast, actually. Yeah, um, I mean, I think the best B2B marketing content really thinks of things, you know, again, from that customer's point of view, but maybe a little bit more broadly, too. Um, you know, I'm speaking next week at a marketing technology conference to a bunch of, you know, folks who are responsible for marketing technologies. So I've been trying to find examples of, of companies who do this really well. And one of the companies that has bubbled up for me is um, is Slack, which I'm sure you must know a lot of us use it as an, an interoffice um, communication tool. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic tool. But what I love about what they've been doing on the content side is that they recently launched a podcast called the Slack Variety Pack. Yeah, yeah. So um, so it's just a, a fantastic example, I think, of creating content that does a couple things. First of all, you know, it definitely has empathy for the audience in the sense that it really is thinking about things from their point of view and not from the Slack point of view. Um, but the second thing that I really love about it is that it sort of tells a bigger story, right? The whole idea behind the Slack Variety Pack is it's a weekly podcast. Actually, no, it's every two weeks. It's every two weeks um, podcast. There are about nine episodes in at this point. And the podcast is not about technology, right? It's not about Slack itself. It's not about, you know, how you can use Slack more effectively, for example, which would be a sort of classic marketing play, right? Instead, it's a podcast about, you know, work, life, and everything in between, as they say. Um, They try to make work life less worky. You know, they try to make it more enjoyable. And so that's their bigger story, right? They they understand that, listen, you're going to spend seven, eight plus nine, 10 hours every day sometimes at work. So how do we make it more fun? You know, so they offer stories on um, innovation in the workplace, uh, modern culture in the workplace, and then 
then also just people who have found, um, you know, their life's work or, or people who are on a journey to find their purpose, that kind of thing. So it's really giving work meaning and putting Slack in a much bigger context, right? So not about Slack. It's really about work itself, which Slack, of course, enables, right? It's, it's sort of, um, it's aligned with that purpose, but at the same time, it's not about it. You know what I'm saying? So tying it back to the marketing objective, whenever you think about productivity or workplace issues, you think about Slack? Right, right, exactly. And and that's what they're trying to do, you know? So I think it's it's a brilliant play and it's a really great example of, um, of telling a bigger story, not just talking about your own products and services, but, but thinking, you know, putting those in context. Why should my customers care about this, you know? And so I think it's, it's not, it's, it's putting your context of, putting your, your product or their product in this case, in the context of the way that it actually touches people's lives. Do you have any advice for how other companies can perhaps find these big, bold stories that you often talk about? Yeah, yeah. Um, last week I talked at Content Marketing World and I also talked at um, at, in, at Inbound um, HubSpot's event here in Boston just about that. So I I did a whole um, a whole hour about, you know, creating bigger, bolder, braver stories. Um, and so there's a, there's a couple things that come to mind for me. I mean, a, the first thing is definitely finding that bigger story, putting your product in a bigger context. You know, what, what do you, what do you do in what, in what ways does your product touch the lives of customers and does it improve their lives in any way? Um, you know, really, why do you exist and, and, grow your, your bigger story out of that. Um, I mean, there's obviously a million different ways you can go with that, but this is a great opportunity to get everybody in, in a room, you know, brainstorm on a whiteboard um, or on a flip chart or something and just say, you know, what is it that we're really all about? What's our bigger purpose? Uh, my friend Mark Schaefer has a great way of getting to this, and he says, answer the question, only we blank. Like, what is it that only we do? You know, in Slack's case, it may be only we, um, you know, make work as fun as it can possibly be. You know, whatever that is, just try to be the only one who does that. Don't commoditize what it is, what, you know, what that thing is, right? There's always going to be somebody who's less expensive than you, um, who's faster or cheaper, whatever. So instead, what you want to do is really tell that richer story to inspire people to get involved in your story. So going beyond just creating great content, it's equally important to get it out there and make sure people are able to find it. Just like how you found Slack's podcast, even though there are tons of other great business podcasts out there. I'm curious how you view the role of promotion both paid and unpaid in content marketing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you always want to bake some sort of promotion into what it is that you're doing. I mean, I think good content, you know, great content, ridiculously good content is really table stakes these days. Um, I don't think you can afford to produce anything less than that. But the other piece of that, of course, is that you just can't, we're, we're past the age where, you know, if you build it, they will come. You do have to have some sort of promotional program in place. Uh, Marketing Profs um, and the Content Marketing Institute recently came out with our new uh, B2B research study. So actually, we're just in the promotion or we're, we're in the early production phases of it right now. So it'll, it'll be out in a couple of weeks. But I just got a draft proposal um, and I was looking at it this morning. And, and one of the things that we asked B2B marketers, which was, you know, which paid advertising methods are you using to either promote or to distribute your content? And, you know, search engine marketing is as usual is right at the top. Um, but then also using things like social ads, you know, started to bubble up 
like LinkedIn ads um, using promoted posts or promoted tweets started to bubble up. About 52% of B2B marketers are using that. Um, and then native advertising too really started to to um, to come up in a significant way this year. Um, and then finally, we found that a lot of B2B marketers are also using some sort of content discovery tool, you know, like an Outbrain or something like that, where um, just to, to get their content in front of, in front of other audiences. That's interesting because I always feel like the B2B space is a few years behind what's being done in the e-commerce space with regards to advertising. Yeah, I'm not sure that that's the case anymore. I mean, I think especially where you have a platform like LinkedIn, you know, which is all B2B, they've made such amazing inroads in terms of um, of you know their their network of of using their platform to allow everybody to be a publisher in that network as well. That I do think that um, that B2B is really catching on to this. At least the marketers who are who are, you know, engaged in, um, in content marketing. And I think those, you know, they, first of all, are, are kind of ahead of the pack anyway. So I think that there is a, a significant number of them that are using some sort of either paid or, um, or some sort of promotion with their, with their content as well. Okay, let's shift gears a bit. A common critique we hear of content marketing is that it doesn't scale well without sacrificing quality. What's your take on this? Yeah, um... You know, I don't know that it, I don't really know that I buy that to be to be truthful with you. Um, I do think there's some inherent tension between quality and quantity, but you know, very often when I start to hear people say, you know, we just can't scale quality. Um, I mean, I really think what they mean by that is they're doing too many things, right? <laughs> I mean, that's what that says to me. Um, I mean, if you are on LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter and you know. Pinterest, and if you're publishing a blog and ebooks, and you're doing research reports and white papers and webinars and everything else, you know, I mean, I think in my mind, if you're saying, well, we can't do everything well, then I would say, don't do everything. <laughs> you know, I mean, start to pull back a little bit, figure out what's working for you and double down on those particular platforms or those particular tactics and stick to the quality. You know, I think that quality, when, when the quality isn't there, that's uh, the fastest way to convince people to hit the back button. So I think it's important to start with quality first, make sure that what you're producing really is, you know, has, has um, empathy for the, for the customer you're trying to reach that offers them, um, offers them something useful and valuable and that is a little bit inspired, you know, by either data or creatively inspired. But I think it, it really does need to be quality. So, um, you know, some things, quality and and quantity are definitely sort of allergic to one another. You know, you think about things like like restaurants, right? If you go to a restaurant where there's, you know, hundreds of them across the U.S., chances are the quality is not going to be up to par. We see it, you know, in a marketing context, an email list, for example. You know, the bigger your email list, generally the less responsive it is. But I do think that quality content can scale, but that means you have to get the basics right. You're in the trenches yourself. You've successfully created a team of content creators at Marketing Profs. I wonder what you look for as you add people to the team. Is it just great writers? Is it other former journalists? Yeah, so here's the funny thing. I mean, most of the text content that we produce at Marketing Profs is actually produced by uh, guest writers. So, you know, guest, um, guests who come to marketing profs because they want to get in front of our audience, you know, that, that they are, they are paid in glory essentially is, is why they're writing for us. So what I focus on at marketing profs is hiring great editors. So I want to hire people who can help those people succeed with reaching the audience in, in a way that's going to connect with them. Right. So, um, so I always look for somebody who's a great editor, not necessarily a great writer, 
but that's specific to to marketing profs itself you know because um we don't have any staff writers in fact all of our all of our editorial comes from outside contributors so that means that the filter that that content has to go through has to be really great so i hire really good editors that's funny that's what i found myself doing a lot more these days as a content marketer I was hired as a journalist, so I have a lot of writing experience, but this has quickly become an editing position. We found that content means different things to different people. It can touch on many different parts of the marketing strategy, from demand generation to customer success to events and even to PR. How do you think marketing leaders should be thinking about content in relation to their organizational structure? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. There's really there's really no one way to think about the function of content within an organization. I mean, through that research study that I, I just mentioned that we're um, we're going to be releasing in a couple of weeks, you know, we found that you know some companies have content as a function of the marketing team, and everything that the com- that the company puts out goes through that team. Sometimes it's sort of a content center of excellence, you know, that stands alone within the organization itself. Um, sometimes it looks like just a single lone, lonely little you know chief blogging officer or <laughs> chief content officer or something like that who's who has a team of freelancers that they work with. Um, and so I think there's no one answer to that. I mean, I think the the most important thing, of course, is to really start with that question, why, right? Why are we doing what we're doing? And what are we hoping to achieve with what we're doing? And then build out your team from there. So for example, if your notion is to, you know, use that content, content marketing function to drive leads, right? Well, then that person should be of course, you know, somewhere in the um, it, it, it linked in to the marketing area should be probably, you know, linked in with the with the um, with the demand people. So I think it really functions on, you know, so so where does that role fit? I think it really does depend on where content fits within the organization. I'm hearing you say content is almost experimental in a way. You have to create stuff and see what sticks most with your audience and then just do more of that. Yes, I would say that you know, especially if it's a new program, you know, you've got to start somewhere. Um, you can, you, where I always start though, is, is as I just mentioned, you know, start with that why, figuring out, you know, what are we trying to accomplish with the content that we're creating? Um, and then, you know, wrap some, some goals and, and some metrics around that. You know, how are we going to know that this is successful, you know, based on what it is that we're trying to do? Um, so really think about those things first. And then from there, you know, put a, a sort of content program around it and, and you know, and start producing content depending on, you know, what it is that you're trying to do. Um, and then iterate from there. So I'm not sure if I would use the word experimental as much as I would say, you know, it's an evolution, right? You're not going to probably start creating content right out of the gate and hit it out of the park, you know, to completely mix metaphors. Um, but I think it is important to always be looking at your metrics, you know, figuring out, is this moving the needle? Is this not? And figure out, you know, who is it that we're trying to attract? Are we attracting the right people? Really looking at that lead quality matched up with your personas, you know? So, Make sure you have personas in place, constantly iterate on them. You know, are these are these are these assumptions that we're making about who we're reaching with this particular content? Is this actually working? Um, so it's a little bit of an art and it's a little bit of a science. Do you think there are certain types of companies that should not be doing content marketing at all? Um, yes, probably. Um, I'm, and I'm trying to think what that company would be, but I'm, I definitely think that they probably exist. Um, 
I guess when you get to the point where you know you're very black and white about things, then you know you, you I I hate to I don't live in that kind of world. You know, I live in a very gray grayscale world. So um so in my mind, I hate to say categorically, you know, there is absolutely no company out there that shouldn't be doing content marketing. Um, because really, why I think that is because you know, absolutely at its core, you know, content is really just the 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 voice that you're giving the organization, right? So it's really just a way that you are speaking with your customers. So I can't imagine a company out there who doesn't want to speak to their customers, but maybe it exists. I just, I, I can't say that I've ever met that particular organization, <laughs> you know? Um, I know, it's so funny I just that you say that. I was just thinking defense contractor, but I was like, well, no, because I mean, you know, look at Boeing. They have an amazing content marketing program. So, um What's Boeing doing? Um, Boeing actually has a really interesting site. Um, kind of a, um, it's it's journalistic really in its approach. Um, I haven't been there for a couple months, but when I was writing Everybody Writes, I remember going to their site and just getting totally sucked into their content <laughs> because they're they're telling a you know a much bigger story about you know technology and and the way that it it, impl- it improves the aerospace industry. They're talking about um, on the commercial side about you know. Um, pilots and engineers and people who work at, at um, you know, in the in related industries as well as at Boeing. So it's a super it's a super great site. Um, so I don't know. I'm going to think about that. I was I was just going to say maybe something, maybe something like um, like funeral services. But you know, I can actually think of a couple of examples no. from. <laughs> yeah, seriously, <laughs> seriously, I can think of that too. So because you know, it's still you're trying to talk to customers right you're trying to help them make yeah. make um make decisions you're trying to coach them you know so i think really that's that's all all content is i mean i guess the question to ask yourself is do you need a website if you don't need a website then i would say you probably don't have some sort of content play um Although now I'm also disagreeing with that because I was thinking, well, you could also do like a print publication. Anyway, I'm going to let you know. I'm going to get back to you on that one, okay? That's a, that's a follow-up episode. <laughs> that's a good question. So to close this off, I was wondering if you could talk about where you think the biggest opportunities lie for content marketers. Gosh, you know, there's just there's just so many opportunities um, for content marketers. Um I don't know. I mean, I think they, I think they're everywhere. You know, I mean, I, I think the, the obvious answer is to say video just because I think there's such amazing strides that, uh, that have been made in video just even in the past year or year and a half or two years alone. Um, so I think video is, is definitely an untapped resource for a lot of marketers, but then on the, or companies, but then on the other side of the spectrum, you know, there's also a lot of companies who for the first time are thinking about, you know, writing in new and different ways. And so we're starting to see um, marketers pay more attention to the tone of voice in their writing and, and the words that they're using on the website to convey, you know, not just information, but a little bit of personality and a little bit of who they are. And that doesn't mean that your writing has to be cheeky or, or you know, sort of snarky or flippant or any of those things. Really what it means is that you're communicating, again, with empathy, right? That you're really thinking about who you are and then using the words to, um, to speak to your audience in a way that they would recognize you. Um, so I think there is, there's a, there are, there's movement on both both ends. You know, there's movements on the video end, and there's also movements on um, on the text end of things. You know, so I don't know. I mean, I still think that for all of the attention that content marketing has 
gotten in the past couple years. Um, as I mentioned, I was at Content Marketing World last, last week. There were 3,500 marketers there. <laughs> you know, that's a that's a big crowd. Um, I've spoken there for five years. The first year, I think there was like 900. So it's definitely exploded. But at the same time, I still think that the opportunities are vast. And I still think that the opportunities are deep. There's still a lot of, of room to grow in content marketing. And I'm just I'm excited to see what we do next. I thought it was very interesting, the timing of your book, Everybody Writes. I mean, it dropped just last year, and it's really squarely targeted at non-professional writers. And it's such a fundamental book about how to write well. There's always that challenge and the opportunity to stand out from the crowd by writing better. Yeah, and what I wanted to do with that book was really not create a book that was just a list of rules and, and you know, a, a book about grammar. Really what I wanted to do was create a book that would inspire people to see the opportunity that they have with using their words to communicate with their customers in ways that would really, you know, tell a richer story about the company. Um, last week at, at Inbound, I shared a story about a um, um, a B2B agency. And I just said, you know, one of the ways that they think about their content is that if the label fell off, would you recognize or, or would you recognize it as theirs? You know, so in other words, look at your own website. If you stripped away all the, the branding on there, right? If you took off your logo, if you took away anything that identified it as you visually, would it sound any different than say your competitors? And very often the answer is no. And I think that's a really powerful test to for all companies to do you know can we do we recognize ourselves if the label falls off or if we if we tear the label off um and so i do think that that's where we're seeing um companies going and that's what i tried to do with everybody writes is really inspire people to just use their words better they are the ambassadors for your company right so use them better and value them more that's great internally one of our challenges is also trying to get other voices within the company onto our blog We want more engineers, more salespeople, more finance, and customer support people to write. Inspiring other people to write is key. Yeah, and 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 tell, helping them, you know, figure out how to write in a way that's that's sort of relaxed and um and that is you know is going to connect with the folks they're trying to reach. I mean, I remember reading a blog post on on um on the Intercom blog not too long ago, actually, and maybe you'll correct me if I'm wrong, but it was written by I want to say your like the chief editor there. He was an Irish guy. John Collins. Yeah, John Collins, right? And so and so he um. So he's kind of he's sort of sharing how he coaches engineers to write in a way that's much more direct and efficient. Mm-hmm. And as a result, you know, instead of doing a lot of lead up and, you know, clearing their throat and dancing around, he just says, get right into it and use strong, colorful language. You know, that's very much what I tried to do with Everybody Writes. And, and I think he's a great example of that. You've been listening to the Inside Intercom podcast. For more episodes, just visit soundcloud.com forward slash intercom. And if you want to subscribe, search for Inside Intercom in iTunes or Stitcher. And for even more great content, check out blog.intercom.io.